Welcome to another Untamed Adventures of the Blind Donkey Runner podcast. Today on the show, I have Chris McLean from Turner Para Baseball Podcast. Chris interviews anybody dealing with baseball, from minor league prospects to coaches to broadcasters. And as of right now, he has 103 episodes of the Turner Para Baseball Podcast, and they are really awesome. Even though his players are from different organizations, that doesn't matter. They're still awesome. And I have enjoyed every podcast that I've listened to from him. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this long interview with Chris McLean of the Turner Taylor Baseball Podcast. How's it going, Chris? Hey, John. It's great, man. How are you? Pretty good. Welcome to the Untamed Adventures of the Blind Donkey Runner podcast. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm excited, man. Thanks for having me on. Nah, no, it's awesome. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know that podcast name is a mouthful. I'll get to that explanation in a little while. Um, I can relate, man. My my podcast is uh, has a pretty has a pretty long name too. Well, let's go with that. How did you come up with turn? What led you to call it the Turn Baseball Podcast? So I, 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 I played baseball my whole life and I was a middle infielder and I used to always say when, well, I guess before I get to, the idea for my podcast is I wanted to, I always wanted to bring people onto the show and interview them. And mm-hmm. so every show, as you know, you've listened, every show has a guest. Right. And so it was always going to be someone else and I kind of rapping about baseball. And so I thought there's going to be a pair of us. And there was one thing that I always used to say when I played second base or shortstop. Anytime that there was a, a guy on first base, I would look at my my counterpart and I would say, hey, let's turn a pair. And so I took my baseball lexicon and I brought it into my podcast. And that that's where Turn a Pair Baseball Podcast was born. Nice. That's pretty awesome. I, I like that. Well, so now I'm going to, if it's okay, if I ask questions. No, go ahead. How did you come up with your name? Um, so it started with me as a rock climber and my, uh, my father-in-law used to call me rock monkey. Well, somehow that devolved into donkey when I started running because I was stubborn. (laughs) My mother-in-law and my wife, it's affectionately, that's my nickname for them is donkey. So, uh, I started running and running ultras, like running longer than marathons, and I, I was stubborn, and I was, you know, so it stuck. And then one of my friends called me a, a badass blind runner. So, my wife just turned that into blind donkey runner. Uh, I love it. So, that's where that came from. And the reason it's untamed is just conversations with anyone i didn't want to running i wanted to have a mixture so yeah i didn't want to be fastened down to just one section of uh shows so that's where the untamed adventures part comes in i I dig it man i dig (laughs) it so i I have to ask i'm gonna ask more questions if that's okay Uh, go ahead so 
now I, I read a little bit or, and I've listened. So you, you're, you're, are you legally blind? Or understand that. Right. And then help me understand running and rock climbing. Like, how does that all work? Well, I guess rock climbing is probably, I only did it for a couple of years and okay. I was within the blind, visually impaired organization, but I was not competitive outside of that. Yeah. Um, basically, I have a guide on the ground yelling up to me, left hand this far up, right hand this far up, left foot, right foot, you know, how far out to go. Yeah. Uh, and if the rocks are colored, like if the handholds are colored, I can sometimes I can tell the difference because I have some sight, but not enough to function without braille i read i cannot read printed okay um my phone has voiceover which reads the screen to me that's how i'm able to function with a apple or iphone so um but running is a little bit more difficult especially if it's on trails uh because i'd rather be in the woods running than on the road uh oh amen to that yeah uh I have a guide basically like rock climbing, but he is constantly saying if there's, if it's a technical section, a lot of roots, a lot of rocks, he's constantly saying roots, rocks, um, or pick up your feet. If there's small roots, um, but if it's a really tight trail, like a single track, then I'll hold on to his shoulder and run behind him or her, whoever my guide is. And he'll give me a warrant. Sometimes I can feel when to step up due to his motion or, I might have to have him warn me ahead of time, but it all depends on the guide and how synchronized we are with our cues. Yeah. So what is it about running on trails that you prefer versus running, say on a track or out out on, you know, on on the sidewalk or something? I, I feel more adventurous on the trails. I feel like it's more of an exploration and there's more things to, Feel, see, smell. I know the visual part is kind of ironic for me, but <laughs> I mean, I love running around a lake or near a river, just the, the feel of it. Or I love running on a trail that I've never seen be- or never been on before because it's something new. Yeah. Uh, if I could find any dirt road around where I live, I would hit it in a heartbeat. I love just the feel of being in the woods. Yeah. Pretty much. The roads, they're okay. I mean, they're safer because I'm not going to turn an ankle normally, but it's also the same feel. It's constantly, you know, the ground doesn't change. It's always flat ground. It's always flat road. Right. So it gets repetitive after a while. Um, but the woods just, um, it's like, like I said, it's an adventure and it, it's exploration kind of to me. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I I run as well, and there are parts of you know I can leave my neighborhood, and there's actually a uh, a pond and this little nature area, and I thoroughly enjoy that part of my run more because you know there's birds, there's there's squirrels, there's deer, there's there's dogs usually on the on that area all over the place. <laughs> And it's it's way more fun than running through my neighborhood and you know just seeing houses and bushes and things like that. Um, so yeah, I can I can I can relate. Plus, it, it smells different, right? You smell the water, you smell the trees, 
where when you're in the neighborhood, you just smell the asphalt. Yeah. Um, I grew up in the country. I grew up, I, I actually grew up on a dirt road and I wish my teenage self would have appreciated it a lot more than I did because I have a, a vast more, more appreciation for the woods and dirt road than now than I did then and kind of frustrates me that I didn't appreciate it then. Yeah. I mean, I ran cross country, but I was just running to get it over with so I could get faster. <laughs> uh, nice. So what, uh, how did you, what started your love for the game of baseball? Wow. That, that's a, I don't know that I can truly answer that question in any way other than just saying it's, I've always known that when, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, my mom is a huge baseball fan. Her dad is a huge baseball fan, my grandfather. And I think it was just something that I was born with. I was always around it. I was always around basketball and football as well and hockey to a degree. But there was just something about baseball that I just fell in love with. I wasn't, as a, as a little kid, I wasn't the greatest baseball player in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, in fact, I was awful. I was the worst kid on my team the first year I played. A lot of us can probably relate to that. We weren't very good when we were seven years old, <laughs> but I, I was, I was bad. And, uh, but I still loved the game. I loved watching it. I was obsessed with it. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to watch baseball and I would get my little uh, boom box out and I didn't have a microphone, but I learned that if I plugged the headphones into the microphone jack, that it worked somehow, it worked as a microphone. I don't know how I figured that out or how that was engineered that way or what, but it worked. And so I would actually, I would watch Cubs games on WGN and I would record them. I would record myself announcing the game. It was great. Yeah. And, and I still find myself watching games thinking, I kind of want to do play-by-play of this game. So I, I still, I don't do that, but I still sort of feel that at times. I, I have this weird, uh, I don't want to call it obsession, but interest in broadcasters. I, I really enjoy listening to the good ones. Ooh. I feel like as a Cubs fan, I am so blessed to be able to listen to Pat Hughes on the radio, who I think is one of the all-time greats, mm. one of the best in the game right now. So, man, I've always loved baseball. I love playing it. Now my, my son plays it. I coach his team. And we're just a baseball nutty family. So it's it's it would be weird if I didn't love it. Uh, well, if you ever get a broadcasting job, I'll, I'll be your color guy. I'm down, man. I'm down. Someone just needs to give me a job, right? Statistics nut. Uh, that's easy. That's awesome. With statistics. Uh, you brought up uh, broadcaster. So Pat Hughes is your favorite right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think he's – what's great about Pat is he's not – you know, there's so many guys now who try to be the, the action. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Gus Johnson. I love when I watch a basketball game or a college football game, and Gus Johnson's on the call because you're going to get crazy excitement from Gus. Gus is great. He's a TV guy, yeah. Generally, Gus does college basketball and college football. Okay. 
I don't, and he's entertaining. Sorry, go ahead. I don't recognize his name. I, I, I'm not much of a TV guy. Yeah. I'm mostly radio, so that's why I didn't recognize his name. Yeah, yeah. But I think what Pat does really well is Pat describes the game. He lets the game breathe. He does a great job of allowing the color commentator to, you know, talk through the game in terms of, like, what's happening, why this just happened. You know, going through strategy. Pat knows all that. Pat's been in uh, in a booth for you know longer than probably you and I have been alive. <laughs> but he allows those people to do their thing, and he's so eloquent on his call. And he's just he epitomizes class. I love Pat Hughes. I think he's great. I, I loved Vince Scully before oh, yeah. he retired. I would go to bed. With the Do- I would put a Dodgers game on to go to bed. Nice. I didn't care about the game at all. I just wanted to hear <laughs> Vin so good at, at calling the game, weaving these incredible stories in. You talk about being a stat guy. Vin had stories for everyone and everything and, and stats for everything. And it was just, he was great. I mean, I'm sure he still would be great if he was calling games, but... The man wanted to retire and go hang out with his wife. I don't blame him. I don't. I don't either. Uh, I'm kind of spoiled as a Braves fan. We've had Skip, uh, Skip Carey, and yeah, Pete Van Waren, Don Sutton, Joe Simpson, Ernie Johnson. Um, I love Ernie Johnson. I never, unfortunately, I never heard him call a game. Um, I was too late to the party. Yeah, I grew up with Skip and Don and Joe and Pete, and uh, they're pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, our our crew now is not that bad. I mean, Ben Ingram, Jim Powell, Joe Simpson, still pretty awesome. Well, Skip, I, I mean, when I was a kid, you could watch – I mean, Cubs games were local for me where I grew up. But mm-hmm. we got Braves games too. I mean, when I was a kid, the Braves were on every night in my house. I mean, we didn't watch them. But, I mean, if I wanted to, I could watch the Braves. And I'll tell you, there were plenty of times where my options were I could watch the White Sox. Braves, and if it's in the if it's in the nineties, uh, yeah, I'm going to watch Maddox Glavin or Smoltz pitch. So oh, yeah. I watched I watched a lot of Braves games. In fact, there were a lot of kids I grew up with who weren't Cubs fans or White Sox fans. They were Braves fans in the Chicagoland area because the Braves were good. And so yeah, we watched them. And yeah, you're right. Skip Carey was was on the call then, and yeah, Skip was Skip was good. And of course. Being a Cubs fan, uh, I have a, a special place in my heart for the Carey family. Oh, yeah. Uh, Harry and Chip Carey. Yep. Now, I know this might uh, might be offensive to your Cub fans, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I kind of like uh, Hulk, Harris, Hulk Harrelson. I like his, his uh, catchphrase. You know, I – yeah, I am not a Hawk Harrelson fan. I, I think myself from, so like I've lived, I've lived away from the Chicagoland area from long Mm -hmm. enough that my dislike for the White Sox has actually, it's actually turned more to affection. I like the White Sox now. They're a really fun team. And I actually really, what's that? They're really young too right now. And it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I love Tim Anderson. Uh, I just, I really, I really like the team, but they've got, you talk about, I love Jason, Jason Benetti and Steve Stone. 
Steve Stone, I think, is one of the best color men in, in all of sports. And I think Jason Benetti is one of the best play-by-play guys as well. So I enjoy watching Sox games. Plus, those two have such a great relationship. I think Benetti is a, is a, is a humongous upgrade over Hawk Harrelson. There are, there are times that I think back to Hawk Harrelson where I thought he was the absolute perfect guy for the moment. When Mark Burley threw that no-hitter mm-hmm. and Dwayne Weiss robbed that home run, and he went absolutely nuts, and he's screaming, why is, you know, like just going crazy? Hawk was perfect mm-hmm. for that. But to listen to Hawk when, when, when the White Sox would, would fall apart, you know, pick a season, they fall apart late, and bad baseball, Hawk would, would just literally shut down for like, I mean, I, I, would, I listened to Chicago Sports Talk Radio, and they would play his moments of like pouting on the radio where he would just go off on a tangent and then pout and not say a word for like two to three minutes of dead air. All you would hear is you would hear the ball get hit. You would hear the crowd react. You would hear the ball hit the the catcher's mitt and nothing because Hawk's just pouting. See, I've never heard that part. I just, I knew of his home run calls. That's the only uh, thing I've known about him. And I, I, that call, to me is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that call is iconic. I mean, Hawk, Hawk is, Hawk is a flashy guy. Hawk is a guy who's got catchphrases for days mm-hmm. and he's the guy who is perfect for this, the world of sports center where you watch a white Sox highlight, you can put it on the board. Yes. A can of corn, all those things. That's a can, the <laughs> Kansas city special, all of Hawk's little Hawkisms. We all love those. I love those. They're great. But when you watch a, a White Sox game where Hawk is calling it from beginning to end, it's it, it can be insufferable at times. I bet I, I could see that because they were horrible. Yeah, they were bad. Yeah. Uh, the I kind of I started listening to Memphis Grizzlies basketball, and I'll get it. I might get into that later. Why well, I'm a huge Memphis fan, but they have their catch his catchphrase Eric Hasseltine is kind of like uh, Harrelson's. It's uh his three point phrases ring it up you can put it on the, or ring it up put it on the board and <laughs> I, I kind of i was like i know that phrase yeah he, t- he but, stole uh, it from hawk that's awesome uh but it's kind of cool how that transferred to basketball um so what are your favorite catches phrases from baseball from announcers oh gosh uh that's a that might make it easier. That's a good one. I, I, as much as I was just ragging on Hawk, I like I like Hawk's home run call. You can put it on the board, yes. And it was the original was Hawk and Wimpy Tom Pachorik, and it was <laughs> and they they would say it together. They would say the yes together, and then St- Steve Stone came in and towards the end, and he would he would kind of throw it in there too. Um, mm-hmm. I like and I, I shame on me I can't think of his name. But the Giants, the San Francisco Giants play-by-play announcer. God, shame on me for not thinking of his name right now. But I enjoy his home run call. Um, Does he have a real deep voice? He does. Yeah, deep, gravelly voice. Yeah. Um, I know his voice, and I can't think of his name. Yeah, I I can't think of it. Um, Of course, you know, Harry Carey's, you know, it might be, it could be, it is a home run. I love those. I love that call because that generally means it's a Cubs home run. 
Um, right. But Harry was just so iconic. Harry was another guy. Towards the end of Harry's career, Harry was more of a guy who was good in sound bites, but over the course of the game, you weren't getting a lot. But if you go mm-hmm. back and listen to Harry's stuff when Harry was when he first got to, to Chicago and he was the White Sox announcer and then he transitioned oh. to the Cubs, he was really good. But he, when he was in St. Louis, he was great. Harry is one of the greatest pastors ever. And he got into some trouble. <laughs> Rumor is that he slept with uh, or he had some extramarital affairs. Um, and got involved with the owner of the Cardinals team's wife, the the oh. August Bush's wife. Apparently, that's the rumor. I, I, I you know, who knows if that's true? <laughs> he got shipped out of town. I think he went to Oakland for a year. He was with the White Sox for a year or two, and then he ended up with the Cubs, and that's where he finished his career up until he passed. Actually, mm-hmm. he passed. The he died in February that season. He he and Chip were going to get to call games together. Oh wow! That was Chip's first season in Chicago, and I think, I think it was 1998. And if if memory serves true, and I could be jumbling a whole bunch of things together here, but Chip was Chip got there in '98. He was the play-by-play guy in '98. The Cubs had a a really it was the only season they made the playoffs in 1998. And I don't know if you remember what happened in 1998, but the Cubs were the wild card. They had to win mm-hmm. a play play-in game to beat San Francisco at home, and they ended up playing the Atlanta Braves in the first round of the playoffs. And it was a, a quick three, three and out for the Cubs. Ah, yeah. I think that when I started my love of the Braves. 97. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather was a huge Braves fan and he'd be watching the Braves and I, well, I, I guess I should pay attention because he's watching it and I'm, I'm a kid. So, you know, I might as well get interested in what he's watching. And yeah. It felt like I was living and dying with every hit because he would go, he would get super into it. Why did you swing at that pitch in the dirt? Why didn't you swing at that pitch down? down <laughs> like he was constantly up and down. And I, I just, I was like, okay, this is keeping me into it. And then I was like, why are you so mad? They just scored. Oh, okay. It took me, he taught me how to understand. So that's, that's what the Braves uh, when I was eight. Uh, I actually attempted to play baseball. <laughs> it didn't go so well, but. Yeah, it. I, I think that's all. I, I love that. Yeah, I love that story that, you know, sort of like hanging out with, with grandpa and, and and learning the game from that man. Absolutely. I, I can relate going to games with my grandpa and and watching games and, you know, just hearing his passion, I think is really what sold me and my passion. And my grandpa right now is, is really sick. And oh, I'm sorry. And yeah, no, it's, uh, it's tough. You know, I mean, he's, he's 89 years old. Um, great, great man. Um, he's, you know, unfortunately he's sort of at the end of, of his line, but, um, I still, you know, when I, when I talk to him, um, you know, I, I, I talk about the Cubs and, you know, uh, he's, we, we've always, that's always been our thing, right? We always talk about the Cubs and it, the conversations not right now isn't like it used to be, but um, yeah, man, it was, uh, I, I loved it. when, when the Cubs made the world series in 2016, 
my phone rang seconds after that final out was made in the, in the National League Championship Series, and it was my grandpa calling me. Oh, and awesome. we, we shared we shared a, a moment on the phone, and I was crying, and uh, just we were talking about how cool it was. I could barely talk. I mean, I was a, sort of a wreck. Uh, and, and yeah, it was just cool. And then, when, of course, when they won the World Series, he was the first person I talked to after they won. And just to be able to share that with him was was awesome because he's really the person that that instilled that love of the game inside of me. In fact, this is really cool. I, I went home back to Indiana a couple of weeks ago uh, to to sort of help my family out and in, in taking care of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he actually has he still has his high school baseball mitts. Oh, wow. And yeah. And, and one is, is not in the greatest shape. It's not in bad shape, but, and he's got one that, that I can, we can go out and play catch with right now. I mean, it's, it's an incredible shape and it's, you know, these are like 75 years old. Wow. And he told me the story of how he, how he bought it. He went to a basketball game in Chicago and, he had he had saved up this money and he went to a sporting goods store on on Michigan Avenue in Chicago and he bought this glove and it was like a really at the time it was a really high end glove and he basically spent all of his money on it and it was a first baseman's glove and it's beautiful and I'll cherish that thing forever I you know I won't go out and play catch with it but I'll cherish it forever and it's it's so cool I wish I it's some I'll figure out some way to display it really cool um, but yeah it's it's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so, you've mentioned the Cubs already. Who do you think is going to win and advance to the playoffs from the Central? Yeah, I think the Cubs are the are the favorite. I mean, they've they've got a pretty sizable lead. Um, just played five games against St. Louis, and uh, even though they it was a very frustrating series, uh, they won three out of five. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's good when it's good when the team is not really hitting on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, they're, they're playing at a, uh, they're winning two out of every three games. I mean, literally their, their, their winning percentage is 667. They're four right. and a half games up on Milwaukee and St. Louis. Uh, unfortunately, they gave, they gave two games back to St. Louis this past weekend. I'm sorry, back to Milwaukee this past weekend. But, you know, there's a lot of things to like about what they're doing. Their starting pitching is, is something I was really nervous about coming into the season. But they're getting contributions from guys like Alec Mills. Today, Adbert Alzale pitched uh, just a beautiful, beautiful out, you know, beautiful game today, his first start of the season. Yu Darvish is, you know, great. Kyle Hendricks is a guy that's looking like he's going to put his name in the, rain, in the running for the Cy Young. And John Lester is, uh, you know, kind of 2017 John Lester. So things are going well. They're getting a lot of production from the back end of the offense. They're not getting a lot of production from – Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Kyle Schwarber, and those are the three three of the four big guys you expected from. Mm-hmm. But the offense is still scoring, and and they're doing it with with guys who are having really really good at bats at the back end of the order. Um, and the bullpen, which is a huge question mark and was really shaky the first couple weeks, is sort of like rounding into form. And they're you know they've got. Uh, a couple guys who no one's ever heard of that are becoming high leverage guys. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, who was a complete disaster last season and the first couple outings this season, his last three outings have been fantastic. I was about to ask about that. Is he, is he straightened it out or is he, still- he, he got the save in the second game of the doubleheader today. And 
Um, you know, he first two guys, I, I texted a few of my buddies before he came in. I said, Hey, he, he seems to be figuring it out. And, and what, what's working is, you know, he's a high spin rate guy, mm -hmm. but he's putting his fastball, you know, thigh high in the zone and his curveball. No one's swinging at it, but he's not throwing it for strikes. Well, if no one's going to swing at it, throw it for a strike. Right. And then get that fastball elevated and change the eye level. And, and he did. He's, he did that today, and it was beautiful. He just he pitched fantastic, got into a little bit of a jam, which is what Craig Kimbrell does. You know that from all the years he was in Atlanta. Yeah. But he got out of it. I mean, he, he, he hit Tommy Edmond. Colton Wong came up. Who Colton Wong absolutely destroyed the Cubs in this five-game series. Mm -hmm. and uh, he got Colton Wong to strike out looking on a fastball in the inside corner. And, but he, but he, he fast balls and he threw his curveball for strikes and that at bat uh, threw a couple curveballs away. A couple fastballs got away, got it to a full count. And it's like, all right, he's going to walk him and then it's going to be game winning home run. Like that's what I'm thinking in my head. But then he struck him. Now he's had three straight outings that he's been really good. That's his first save of the season. So, Hopefully, they're starting to figure things out. So I, I don't know that the Cubs are the best team in the NL, but I think right now it's hard to argue against them being one of the top two or three. That story of Kimbrell reminds me of how we were dealing with uh, Luke Luke Jackson last year. Yeah. He'd load the bases and then somehow get out of it. Yeah, isn't that what closers do? <laughs> I feel like it's, it's crazy. I mean, Kimbrell has always been that guy who sort of flirted with danger but he's, his stuff is so good that he somehow wiggles his way out of it and does it usually in dramatic fashion. I mean, uh, last year when he was deciding where to go, I was all excited because I, I just remember him as a brave and I was, what he did for us. And mm -hmm. I was severely hoping that he would uh, sign with Atlanta. And then when he started pitching, I was like, okay, I'm kind of glad we didn't sign him because he was – awful last year yeah well i think you know he's he tailed off at the end of the the run with the red sox the year they won the world series in fact when they got the world series he wasn't mm -hmm. and his velocity was down and and people weren't swinging at his curveball and i it, you know and i'm not i'm not good enough to say this is my observation this is me just listening to the experts is his arm slot changed mm-hmm and and I think it he would be became less deceptive, and people knew what was coming. And you know, he, then he sits out. He comes, signs with the Cubs in the middle of the season, and he was awful. He, I mean, there's no way around it. He was awful. He he wasn't throwing strikes, and when he did throw strikes, they got absolutely pounded. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was awful. And and this year he started off awful, but they seem to have figured something out and got his arm slot back to where it was two years ago when he was uh, effective. And he actually lost it a little bit. Tommy Hadovy came out and said, hey, whatever he said to him, it seemed to work because after that he was locked down and he struck uh, Colton Wong out. Nice. So, yeah, you hope, you know, you, you hope a guy who's that good gets can, it back. Together. Exactly. Yeah, you hate to see a guy like that um, lose it and end his career that way. But, um, you know, hopefully he can maintain it and, and go out on a, a strong note. And uh, I mean, selfishly as a Cubs fan, hopefully he pitches this last year and a half, like a, like the, the hall of famer that he is. I mean, honestly, I'll always be a fan of Kimbrough's, even though he's not a brave because he was a Southern kid um, out of Alabama. So I, 
you know, I'll kind of always pull for him, except if he's pitching against Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and and there's a decent chance the Cubs and the Braves will will face off this year. I mean, uh, if the playoffs were to start today, the Cubs and the Braves would probably play each other in the second round if they both were to get advanced past their first round first round well, matchups. So uh, that that could be interesting. Going over to the Braves in the East, the Braves are I, – I don't know right now. <laughs> um, before Mike Sirocco's injury, I would have told you we were good. No no worries about the playoffs. But with Mike Sirocco's injury, Max Freed is our only count-on pitcher right now. Right. And you, you were talking about uh, – Kyle Hendricks being a uh, potential Cy Young, that's our Cy Young. I, I believe he's got a shot at it from our side. Yeah. I mean, he is – when he goes takes the mound, I, I'm, I'm not worried if we're going to lose. Yeah, he's it, – it, it'll be interesting to see if Atlanta, you know, if they throw chips in to see if they can get more pitching, right? If they can get more starting pitching. Um. Yeah, I'm looking at their 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 stats right now. The guys leading, you know, Tuki Tucson, not not getting it done. Um, Josh Tomlin, he's he's getting it done, um, but he's a he's a bullpen guy, right? Tomlin is right. They want it. They're they're desperate, so they're going to bring him and put him in the starting rotation. I think he'll fit. The way yeah, it's just um, they're bringing. I would like to see them bring up Kyle Muller or Tucker Davidson or Ian Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Ian pitched really good the other night in a scrimmage. Gwinnett, and I'm pretty sure that Kyle Muller pitched really good as well. Um, and then I know Tucker Davidson's always – he's got an electric arm. So, yeah, they're AAA pitchers, but what can you do when – the guys you have up there are giving you three innings, but giving up five or six runs. Right. I'll tell you what, I think this, if you've got guys who you feel like can face big league pitching and give you, you know, if you've got a guy down there in Gwinnett who can give you three, four five innings every fifth day. Um, now's the time to bring those guys up because I think, mm-hmm. you know, as I, in my show, you know, I, I interview, baseball players, right? You know that, right. but for your listeners right. that don't know that I interview baseball players and I've interviewed a number of guys who have made their big league debuts. And I always ask them, you know, what was it like, you know, especially for pitchers stepping on the mound and looking up and saying, Oh my gosh, there's a lot of people here. And I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was the Aaron Slager's interview where he talked about someone gave him the advice to go out on the mound and look around before mm-hmm. the game. And so take mm-hmm. take it all in before you get out on the mound, because when you walk out and there's thirty thousand people cheering, it's a whole different game. It changes. Oh yeah. <laughs> but now you run out on the field, and the only noise you hear is like fake crowd noise, right? In the seats, except for you know scouts. What's that? Cardboard cutouts. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they're not gonna. Hunt, and, they're and, not gonna yell anything at you. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I don't think, you know, a lot of guys I talked to, uh, you know, Caleb Berger, who said there's no one there. So I didn't really feel any different. And I didn't I wasn't thinking about the, the potential million or so millions of people that are watching on national TV uh, when he pitches. But 
so th- there's a lot, I feel like there's a lot less nerves. It, you just have the normal nerves of I'm going into pitch. Um, and maybe a little bit elevated because it's your big league debut. Right. But it's not in front of the largest crowd you've ever played in front of. It's There's no one there. So I feel like now if you've got guys, and there's so many guys who are coming in and making their debuts who are actually performing, I feel like better than they, maybe they would. Because they don't have that pressure of the 30,000 people. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Now, for the people who listen to my uh, podcast, uh, have you ever interviewed any Braves? Minor league I have, I have, yeah. You know, I, I've interviewed, I've done about a hundred and four interviews now. I haven't released a hundred and four episodes yet, but uh, I've got a couple recorded that I haven't put out yet. But um, I interviewed Justin Dean, who is a, a, an outfielder, a top thirty prospect for for the Braves. Um, great guy, uh, but he's the only Brave that yeah. I've that I've actually had on on the show. Uh, I need to, I need to diversify my uh, portfolio and add some more Atlanta Braves prospects and Dean, players on there. He's awesome. I've, I've actually, um, I'll get into this later, but uh, I, uh, me and my wife started going to the Rome Braves uh, games this year down here because mm-hmm. we live in Georgia. Yeah. And they're the single A affiliate of the Braves. And we got their autographs. You could talk to them after the game. And Dean's really, he's a really personable guy. Um, Really, really friendly. I don't. The outfield for the Braves is jammed up right now, so I see him as that fifth outfielder. But I, I, I look forward to seeing him in Atlanta or giving. A... Yeah, yeah. I think he has like no other. Oh, no doubt. He's he's a fast guy for sure. I. Yeah, I you know, and a lot can happen, right? He's got he's probably got a couple years to go of development before he'll he'll make it up there, and who knows what's going to mm-hmm. happen with with the the you know no minor league season. Um, it's interesting. Some guys, I th- I thought about this quite a bit. Some guys are going to take this time to just absolutely blow it up and develop and and come back stronger than ever. And some guys, I really feel like. There's going to be guys out there that they're probably not going to take this as seriously as they should, mm-hmm. and that are going to slough off a little bit. Um, Justin strikes me as the guy who's going to come back next season, and coaches are going to be like, "Wow, you put some work in." He just strikes me as that kind of guy for sure. So I'm excited to follow his career. Um, plus, I, personally, I've got a little bit of a, a, a little bit invested into him as a, as a former guest. I want him to succeed. Um, because it's like once I have these guys on, then it's like I become a huge fan of them and their success. So it's great, man. I've had a bunch of guys I've interviewed who've actually made it to the big leagues this season specifically. And every time it happens, man, I mm-hmm. feel like I don't know. I feel like it's uh, someone in my family just made it to the big leagues, and I stand in front of the TV and I'm all giddy, and it's it's awesome. <laughs> um, his story kind of he come out of a small town yeah. in South Carolina and went to a D two school in North Carolina and. Um, Lenore Ryan, and I think that story is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I love man. There's so many stories of guys that come out of small towns that that probably don't get noticed, and and because they don't get no, you know, they they come out of these small towns and they don't play against the elite competition or they don't have all the money to go to these, you know, all star selection tournaments, whatever it is, they end up going to small schools mm-hmm. and they perform at a high level and. 
uh, a school like Lenore Ryan, right? Um, which isn't, which isn't an right. SEC powerhouse, which Justin Dean probably could have played at an SEC school uh, had the option been, been given to him and probably would have done well. Um, but he goes to Lenore Ryan, works his tail off, ends up getting drafted, and now he's working his way up through the Braves system. And there's so many stories like that. And, man, those stories for me, those are the stories I love to find and I, I love to root for because oh, yeah. everyone loves the underdog, right? Right. I mean, Dean, just to see how close he is, he reminds me a lot of Trey Harris, who was an outfielder. He went to, was drafted yeah. out of Missouri. And he's an outfielder for the, the Braves, or the sure. reminders for the Braves. And they, they're they so similar. And that shows you, to me, that Dean at a small school could compete with, like you said, the big, the the SEC, the ACC of baseball. Yeah, well, here's a great example. So uh, Tommy Parsons went to a small school, a D3 school in Michigan. He's from Ohio, went to a mm-hmm. D3 school in Michigan called Adrian College. Flat mm-hmm. out dominated. Ends up, doesn't get drafted. The Cardinals take him as a free agent after the draft. Mm-hmm. This was in twenty. 18 2019 he flies through the cardinals organization and ends up by the end of the 2019 season he's one of the top prospects in their organization and he was an undrafted free agent in 2018 yeah and and he's a d3 senior and and i've talked to guys who have played against him who are like oh he's a bad dude (laughs) he's a he's a pitcher (laughs) and is like he I talked to guys who played against him in the Midwest League here, and they're like, yeah, he didn't belong here. <laughs> he did not belong here. And he, he wasn't around in the Midwest League very long. He got, he got moved up. And, uh, in fact, I want to say he even made an appearance up in AAA by the end of the season. But he's a guy that – you know, he's one of those guys the Cardinals seem to always have, these guys that no one's ever heard of. Mm-hmm. They come out of nowhere. They just find the right guys. They, they, they give just the right development to them, and they make it to the big leagues. And – and they just have that cardinal magic, and Tommy's a, another example of that cardinal magic that Cubs fan just really gets under your skin. But Tommy's a great guy. My, my friend Chelsea Ladd will be glad to hear that. So that when I interviewed Tommy, I reached out to Chelsea and Tara Wellman as well, who were both uh, Cardinals fans and Cardinals writers. Really good information. They knew who Tommy was, and they, they gave me some good backstory on him and sort of helped me prepare for the interview and since then i've actually become we'll call it friends right through twitter with both chelsea and and tara and uh they're both great i enjoy following them both i enjoy interacting Uh, in fact both of them today during the games uh had some fun back and forth with them so uh cubs cardinals back and forth you know oh yeah i uh, i actually interviewed i listened you know i I didn't get to listen to the entire thing but i listened to part of it and I, i enjoyed the conversation for sure. Uh, so let's go to the East. Uh, oh, uh, I have a mutual interest in the Cardinals because of Tony Losey is, I think he's in single A or high okay. A now, is a pitcher out of Georgia. Okay, yeah, you're a Georgia guy, so. I think he was a third rounder. I think he was taken 98th overall. Um, 98th or 96th. But, uh, I don't know of any 
uh, dogs that are with the Cubs right now. But uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of any. I'm definitely. I, I, I can think of a few few people who would know. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I don't know off the top of my head. I can't think of anyone they've got from Georgia. But um, you know they've got a whole bunch of guys in their system. So so going to the East. Uh, who's your pick to win the East? And get second out of the East. Yeah, the East, uh, I'd have to say, um, you know, it's funny. I, I wrote these all down, who I thought would make the playoffs coming into it. Well, Atlanta would be my pick to come out of the East. They're, in fact, if I, mm-hmm. if I were to pick who I think is going to make the playoffs, Atlanta is, in my opinion, the only team that's going to come out of the East. Ah. I hope my guy Sterling Sharp doesn't listen to this because he'll – he might give, <laughs> give me some grief, but – the Marlins are impressive to me this year. For they have yeah, over. they have. They've cooled. A, they've cooled still- off a little bit, but yeah, they're. I mean, if the playoffs started today, they're they're a playoff team. They're they're. I think the eight seed. I would love to see. No, they're the uh, seven seed. I'm sorry. Them bring up a couple. I'd love to see them bring up a couple more players. Uh, JJ Belay. Oh yeah. Out of. Um. I know they have him as an outfielder, and I know they have a couple of other and talent, really talented minor league. Can't remember them off the top of my head. Uh, the Mets are going to be Mets. They're going to Mets themselves. Yeah. Uh, the Nationals Nationals don't really they don't really worry me that much unless they get hot. Well, th- think about um, the Nationals. I mean, they're, they're 9 and 12 right now, which doesn't sound great, but they're only three games back. And so right. look what they did last year. They got hot. Now, they got hot after about the 60th, 70th game. They don't have that luxury of playing 60 games of really bad baseball, but um, right. you never know. They could, they could get hot in, in September, and, and all, all they've got to do realistically right now, the, the, the eight seed in the playoffs is under 500. And I, I think that all you've got to do is finish 500 or better. And you're probably going to make the playoffs. Right. The Phillies worry me. Um, they, they've got some Braves killers. <laughs> yeah. Who are the big Braves killers on the Phillies? Uh, Conforto. Okay. Uh, Gene Segura always seems to hit good against us. And Reese Hoskins always seems to hit good against us. Reese hits good against everybody, though. Yeah. He was, I thought he was struggling this year until we, we played them, but I'm, I could be wrong on that one. No, I think you're Harper's, right. He's, he's hit, I mean, he's hitting 207. I'm looking at his stats right now. He's hitting 207. He's got a home run. His OPS is 753. All down for, for his normal output. But – it's early, right. I, you know. I don't know. Like a lot of these guys will struggle for a month, and then when the, when the season's over, you look at the back of their baseball card, and it's the the same as it is every other year. They don't have that luxury this year. You have a bad month now. You have to have an incredible month in September to to equal out the back of that baseball card. So you know, some of these guys might end up with down seasons. On the flip side, there's going to be some guys who. You know, there's plenty of stories where guys are hot. They have a great first half. They make the all-star team. 
and the second half, you're like, who, where, like, <laughs> you know, they almost get DFA. They don't, they're like not even really a part of the, the regular rotation on a team. And you might see some of those guys who are in the, it could be in the MVP race. Who knows? Well, Bryce, Bryce Harper is going to be Bryce Harper. So that's, that's, that's a given. Yeah. So I, I, I pretty much agree with you on that. I think the Braves are going to come out of it. Um, I think the Marlins, if they get hot, I think they could be the second place team out of that. I, I'd love to see the Marlins do it. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love young teams. It's the same thing as the White Sox. They're young, they're exciting. And plus Sterling Sharp, one of my very first, he was like the 14th guest I had on the show. And, and I've maintained contact with him throughout. So if they make the playoffs, I'd be super pumped for a guy like Sterling Sharp. So let's go to the West. Uh, Dodgers, Rockies, Diamondbacks, Padres, Giants. Who wins this division? I think the Dodgers win. I think they win it probably going away. But that doesn't mean that Colorado, San Diego, San Diego, and Arizona won't won't put up some uh, put up some wins. And, and I think they're going to be competitive. I personally, uh, this is like the least surprising, maybe not least surprising. It's the, the Padres are so much fun to watch. Oh, they have, they're, they're like the White Sox and the Marlins. They've got so many good young players. And even if they didn't, they have Fernando Tatis Jr., who is just a gem, an absolute gem. And shame on Jace Tingler for that press conference two days ago. Yeah. And, and having Tatis apologize. I, I was about to ask you about that. Yeah, just... I mean, what I'm curious. What are your thoughts? It's a it's a three zero pitch. He's a hitter. You're taught to hit the ball if it's there. I mean, he's a kid. What are you going to do? Exactly. Tell him not to hit the ball. Exactly. On the flip side, are you going to argue if you know are the are the Padres pitchers when they're down when they're up seven zero are they only supposed to throw fastballs right down the middle? Like if we're going to, no, you're supposed to get them exactly. out. Exactly. And, and hitters are supposed to, the object of hitting is to not get out, get on base however you can. And if you can get on base and touch all four at the same time, do it, man. And it's like, I mean, my thing is if, if you're going to have this quote unquote unwritten rule mm-hmm. where after a certain point at a game, you have to start, you know, you can't hustle the first, you can't, uh, hit a home run, you can't whatever, then just call the game. Just end the game. Call it a mercy rule and end the game. That way no one gets hurt. It, it's well, just... The Braves, for example, they've given up seven leads and they've come back from being down seven. So the game is never over. I'll give you, I'll give you two, two things here that you and I are both saying the same thing and I, and I love it. I love that we're on the same page here. Uh, Kevin Acey, who's a Padres writer, Padres beat writer, said two weeks ago the Padres were down 7 nothing, And Fernando Tatis Jr. went deep in the hole and dove for a ball. Oh. Didn't get to it, but dove for it. I think we faded out there for a second. Uh, uh, what, what, I, what I said is, and, and I'll repeat it again, is um, Kevin Acey, who's a Padres beat writer, said two weeks ago, in a game where the Padres were down seven nothing, mm-hmm. Fernando Tatis Jr. was playing shortstop. A ball got hit in the hole, and he dove for the ball. Mm-hmm. He didn't get it, 
But the point of that is the guy plays hard. If he's on the field, he's going to play hard. And that's right. what you want from a guy. Now, if he would have hit a ball to shortstop and he would have jogged to first base, the same people that tore him up for hitting a home run. Right. So, and the other thing is pull up, pull up your MLB app mm-hmm. and, and, and start looking at the Padres bullpen. Look at their ERAs. A seven run lead is not safe. No. Uh, I think it was Trevor Bauer said, if you don't want him to hit the home run, then don't let him hit it. Yeah. I think it was Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Trevor Bauer had a, had a great, great tweet uh, sticking up for Tatis. And uh, yeah, I think so many of the unwritten rules are, are just silly. I think they are. And um, I think they're, you know, I, I just, some of them I understand, but uh, and, and they're okay. They don't necessarily bother me. But for the most part, I just think it's like it's like the you know the old guy that yelling at the clouds kind yeah. of thing. You know, from the Simpsons. Yeah. Just let these kids play. You want you want to grow the game. Like, what do we love about you know the NBA? We love the young guys like Damian Lillard who are hitting thirty six foot three pointers over LeBron. And we love that stuff, right? We love dunks. You know, NBA players don't get crapped on for dunking in a blowout. <laughs> but I was waiting in John Morant, but I'll I'll, I'll phase off of that one. <laughs> yeah, well, we love John Morant, right? And and here's the thing about the NBA: is you go to a casual sports fan, they can list bench guys in the NBA, but I love Tim Anderson. I have a Tim Anderson shirt. Mm-hmm. Tim Anderson is electric. He's charismatic. He is everything that a sport would want in a superstar. He's, oh, yeah. phil- he's philanthropic. He's a team leader. He's got energy and charisma for days. He's athletic. He's a hell of a player. Everything you want, right? He's got right. a million-dollar smile. He is so marketable. Yet, about two weeks ago, I was at, I was at a baseball uh, practice, mm-hmm. and uh, – I'm talking to somebody and, and he said, he mentioned that he was a white Sox fan and I had a sweatshirt on cause it was a little bit chilly, uh, an unseasonably cold night. And I, I lifted like, up my, how was it chilly? <laughs> yeah, it was an unseasonably cool night. Uh, cause probably two days later after that at night, I was sweating outside, but, <laughs> um, but I lifted up my sweatshirt and I showed him my t-shirt that said baseball needs more Tim Anderson's. I said, Oh, you'll probably like this shirt. I lifted it up and I showed it to him and Mm -hmm. he said, Oh man, he goes, your reference is lost on me. (sighs) And I was like, Oh, and I just, Oh yeah. Tim Anderson is a, he's a player on the white Sox, and he's just like really good. And um, he's like, Oh, he's like, yeah, I'm more of like a casual fan. And and I is down here. It's like, what? Like saying you don't know who Acuna is down here. Exactly. But you know what? You know how many people probably don't know who Ronald Acuna is? That's I, – I can't imagine that. There's guys who don't know who Javi Baez is. There's guys who don't know who Fernando Tatis Jr. is. There's guys who don't know who Tim Anderson are. And these are the – and these are guys who are marketable. And this is the problem with baseball is they've got these unwritten rules mm-hmm. and they want to mute players. 
they don't market them well and they, they treat the players like they're idiots. They don't respect them at all. When I say they, I mean the owners and Rob Manfred. Yep. And it's like, they just, they just do such a poor job of it. I mean, Tatis and Tim Anderson and Javi Baez and Ronald Acuna, those guys should be household names like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard and LeBron James and all, all those guys in the NBA that everyone knows and, and, and loves they should be in the same category, but they're not. Right. Um, I guess uh, I I just watched. Uh, well, I I paid attention to the Lakers lose last night to Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers, and I I don't know whether I should pull for the Trailblazers or not because they just destroyed my Grizzlies and. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that broke my heart. Like I, well, I I had a broken heart for a couple hours. Well, how about how about the Suns? The Suns went went 8-0. Devin Booker just absolutely lit up the bubble. And they didn't even make the the play-in game. Cameron Payne. Sorry, I'm a dork. Uh, (laughs) No, that's all right. Well, so you listen to the show. Roseanne Sapia, who is uh, occasionally is a a co-host or Mm -hmm. or just hosts the show, um, and and I think does a fantastic job. Um, Mm -hmm. She's a huge Devin Booker fan and a huge Suns fan. And she was... I taught we. She actually did an interview the other night. She interviewed Trevor, Trevor McDonald of the uh, uh, of the San Francisco Giants, mm-hmm. and it was right after the Suns won. And she was waiting for Portland to play. And yeah, she was uh, she was super devastated after after they missed out. I, I was really hoping the, that Brooklyn would pull it through and that the Grizzlies would be the eight seed and Suns would be the ninth seed. I would. Uh, I'm a. I would say I'm a partial Suns fan. Because I pull for Cameron Payne. He's a now. Cameron Payne is a. He was uh, the point guard for Murray State when I started following Murray State. Uh, yeah. Senior. And um, and then John Morant was a two-year player at Murray State as well. That that's why I follow them. Uh, but Cameron Payne's been through a lot in his career, and I, that's why I, when I realized he was going to play for the Suns, I was pulling for the Suns in the bubble, and I was like, if the Grizzlies don't make it, I hope the the Suns do, and well. Neither one of them did. Yeah. Now, was she a Devin yeah. Booker from Kentucky, or is she a Suns fan because of the Suns? She's a she is a Suns fan because of Devin Booker, but I don't know that she's a Devin Booker fan because he played for Kentucky. I just think that she likes Devin Booker. I'll have to and, have a discussion with her because that's kind of our rival. Devin Booker and John Morant kind of go at each other. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Murray State and and Kentucky. I could see why. Now, Unfortunately, I, they never played in college, which Kentucky won't play Murray State. They're scared. Well, exactly. John Calipari is. Uh, um, I'm not a fan of of John Calipari. John Calipari, Indiana, and I, I went to Indiana. Indiana and Kentucky mm-hmm. played college basketball. Have played college basketball against each other for since the beginning of time, and Calipari comes to Kentucky. Mm-hmm gets beat when he's the undefeated number one team in the country with arguably one of the greatest college basketball teams ever assembled. He gets beat in assembly hall and then he takes his ball and he goes home and he won't play Indiana anymore. And it's like, well, yeah, he's a baby. <laughs> they got beat by Evansville. This year. I loved it. I did too, because that, that brought a little bit more uh, umph to, the racers and their schedule because they had to play Evansville and almost upset Evansville. 
though. Yeah, they. You won't see Evansville on Kentucky's schedule anymore. No, you probably won't. But some SEC school schedule. Yeah, it, hopefully. Well, hopefully they play basketball um, this year. That's. Yeah, that's a question mark. I, I, I'm hoping they yeah. do. I told my wife, I don't know what I'm going to do for four months without Grizzlies basketball or Murray State. Yeah, well, <laughs> at least I, got I wonder. I wonder if. The NBA, because I've heard that the NHL is looking at like a December start, and I, I you know, the NBA mm-hmm. I would think would be on a similar schedule because they're going to end about the same time. So I wonder if you would right. have a you know a truncated off season, and then you would get right back into it for um, yes, yeah, so I, I don't know, I don't know how that'll happen, and I also wonder how they'll do the NBA season if they'll have bubble again and. Um, part of me thinks that they should. I think the bubble is actually pretty cool. I think it's cool what they're doing. It's work. It's working in hockey. It's working in basketball. What baseball is doing is not working. Uh, I don't think it's going to work in football. I think football is going to be an absolute train wreck. Yeah. Um, let me go let my dog out. I gotta. <laughs> she's going crazy. No problem. I'll, I'll be right back. So should I just fill time? I think I'm just going to fill time while he's letting the dog out. So here's the thing. Go check out the Turn a Pair Baseball podcast. John had me on because John listens to the show. John's awesome. I love interacting with John on, on Twitter. But go check out the Turn a Pair Baseball podcast uh, at Turn a Pair Chris on Twitter. But we interview baseball players. And we've done like 104 episodes. And it's it's a lot of fun. So, Yeah. Go check that out. And I wish this was like a call-in show so I could pull, pull up a listener and we could chat because it's kind of weird talking to myself. And John's going to come back and he's going to hear me talking and be like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? Or maybe he'll just say, oh, I, you're back. I just got back. I, I, I was like, wait, what was going on? I was filling time while you were letting your dog out. Yeah. Nice. She was going but, Yeah. Hey, I get it, man. My, wow. my dog is, is, is curled up in her bed right now. In, in my bedroom waiting for me to come in there. My wife's probably in there with the kids reading books or something. And yeah, the dog is probably just chilling. What kind of dog? Uh, you she's a rescue dog. I couldn't even begin to guess what kind of dog she is. Uh, she's about 30 pounds. She's super cute. Brown dog with the cute little oh. face. And uh, she's a really super chill dog. Um, and yeah, she's just a, a great little rescue dog. So what kind of dog do you have? She is supposed to be an American Pit uh, mix with German Shepherd Chow mix. Yeah. But um, I'll share a picture on Twitter later. She looks like a corgi or a husky. Okay. And she's the goofiest dog, but she's really smart and really sweet and just really adorable. And I'm kind of biased, but I, I, she's awesome. Dogs are great, man. Yeah, uh, her mother used to run with me when I'd run with her out in, near my in-laws. Yeah. She would run up, longest run is 16 miles. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, when we, when I go run out there, it would be her, the German Shepherd Chow, and 
one of her other puppies that, that yeah. live out there. And we'd all go running through the back back uh, roads of Taylorsville, Georgia, and we'd get all, weird looks, but nobody would mess with me. Yeah. Now, when you would go on those runs, are you? Is it just you and the dogs, or do you have a guide with you? If it's roads, it would have just been me and the dogs. Um, now, where I live up in the city, uh, up in kind of the city of Cartersville, uh, I don't usually. God, I just I just run by yeah. myself. Um, speaking of Cartersville, the Rockies have a pitcher from Cartersville, uh, Sam Howard, and he's I think he's doing pretty well for the. Uh, Rockies, if I'm not mistaken. You know what i that I don't know Sam Howard, but I think that's awesome that there's someone from from your hometown that's in the big leagues. That's awesome. We uh, Cartersville's been a powerhouse with for baseball, um, at least all of the 2000s. I mean, Mitch, uh, there's been a Josh Morris come out of Georgia. I don't know if he did much. Uh, for in the pros, but I know a, a ton of uh, talent has come out of Cartersville, and a few have went to Georgia. We'll start up. Um, that's my mind is blanking right now, but so, um, so the Dodgers will come out to the West, and you think Colorado or the Padres? I think. I mean, I, honestly, I think Colorado, the Padres, and Arizona all three make it out into the playoffs, but I think LA wins the division. Oh. Uh, so let's go to the American League West, which is kind of interesting, in my opinion. Seattle, uh, they got talent, but I don't think they're going to make it. They've got my guy uh, Joe Hudson, their catcher, backup catcher. Ah, okay. I, I, th- I listened to that episode, actually. Joe's awesome. Joe's my guy, man. Joe's yeah. another guy that I've stayed in contact with and uh, really enjoy uh, the nice little friendship that I've, I've built with Joe. He's a great guy. Notre Dame guy. He's, a, he's from the Tampa area. Uh, went to Notre Dame, and um, he's just a good, good dude, man. All around good dude. They have the pitcher from Georgia from last year, uh, Emerson Hancock. Okay. Uh, I wonder if Joe has fun catching him. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I've wanted. To, I thought this is really funny you said that because I was thinking about this today. Actually, I was like, I want to have Joe on the show. And talk like ask him if there's any guys now that he's in the big leagues and there's some guys who just some. I mean, he's been in the big leagues for three years, but just mm-hmm. what guys who I mean, he caught Jordan Hicks. If there's guys that are just so Ooh. nasty that they're hard to catch, they're um, actually that team's loaded with young talent. They're actually though. beating the Dodgers right now. I mean, yes. Um, is Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelenic up or are they still on the, yeah, I don't think Jared, I don't think Jared's up yet. Um, Jared actually is from Jared grew up about 15 minutes from my house. So Jared, yeah, Jared in, uh, is someone who I definitely am following and I, Jared's someone I'd love to have on the podcast just because he's a local guy. Um, I haven't had luck getting him Mm -hmm. on yet, but man, I would love to have him on just to talk about. Wisconsin baseball, specifically Wisconsin youth I've baseball. Heard, I've heard the story of him and uh, Julio Rodriguez and their connection before, and it was pretty cool. Uh, they came through West Virginia, and I didn't get to see Kellenic, uh, but I, I did see uh, Rodriguez playing. Oof, he scared us every time we come up the bat. Yeah, is that the West Virginia power? 
Yeah. Yes, the yep. power. Um. So let's see. Los Angeles, the Angels. I'd love to see them do good. They're the Braves of the West, but I don't. I don't think they have it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're. You might. You're. Yeah, I. I like. I like them because I like Trout. I like Otani. I like um, Rendon. Um, I mean, there's a lot to like about what the the Angels have to offer. Joe Madden, the the old Cubs connection there. But yeah, I. I think yeah. Oakland. Oakland's the team there, and I like that Houston's not playing. I mean, they're not playing bad, but they're not. They're not playing great. I love that Oakland's really dominating that division, and and I, I think I, I I see Oakland sort of continuing that. You know, probably finishing the one or the two seed in in the AL. I'm not the biggest Astros fan. <laughs> yeah, not many people are these days. Um, I'm an Angels fan because of uh, Andrelton Simmons and Jared Walsh. Um, I've always been a Simba fan. Sit. Simmons is one of those guys as a as a couldn't hit, but really enjoyed playing the field. That's kind of how I ended up making my way through through baseball. I love watching Andrelson Simmons. He is so smooth and fun to watch play defense. Oh yeah, we we really miss him as an abrade, but we have Dansby. So yeah. Shortstop's another position in the Braves organization that I'm kind of. I'm kind of torn on so, when we go to minor league. Uh, I know this is long. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you said, I, I like Oakland to come out of that, and I like Houston, unfortunately. But uh, uh, what about the Central in the American? I think Minnesota and Cleveland are, are the two picks of the litter there. Um, I think Cleveland mm-hmm. has incredible pitching. It'll be interesting to see how things work out with Cleveland with with two of their better pitchers, Zach Plesac and Mike Clevenger, I mean, they're 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 really uh, they they don't they they have an incredible starting pitching staff there in Cleveland. When you add Savale, who's mm-hmm. another guy who I've had on the show, um, who's who's really coming to his own, they they just have a solid solid. Of course, can't forget about Bieber, who's having a fan, an oh, unbelievable yeah. start to the season. But those four guys, Plutko's, you know, he's he's had a nice start here his last last two outings. It'll be interesting. They you know they sent Clevenger and um, and and Plesac down because of what they did in Chicago. You know, you've got a guy Cookie Carrasco who just overcame cancer, and that's ex- it, it, that's just a mess there. So I don't know how that's going to shake out. Um, Personally, I, I hope that they all sort of figure it out, and and I, I hope that a guy like Zach Plesac, who screwed up and then doubled down on a screw up and blamed the media and put out that stupid video, it's like, oh, I want Zach Plesac to, to figure it out because Zach Plesac's from where I grew up in Northwest Indiana, right outside of Chicago. I want him to like he's representing where mm-hmm. I'm from, and I don't think he represented us very well in you know the last couple of weeks, and I hope he comes out and. Mm-hmm. No makes amends for what he not, not because he plays well in the field because of his actions off the field and what he says and how he acts. I hope he learns from it because I think he made a mistake. Um, but yeah, I think Cleveland's a hell of a team. I also think the white Sox. I think they, they've got just enough to get in the playoffs with their offense. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, 
they'll 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 finish around 500 and i think again like i said for the nl that's all that you need is to finish around 500 and man get the white Sox in the playoffs and let them just go crazy that'd be a lot of fun i would love to see that uh i i think the twins the whole clevenger and police psych issue with the indians i'm i just that kind of frustrates me because because of like you said cookie carrasco i mean you're one of your players just survive leukemia and you're gonna go do that kind of job. yeah not not cool um uh, what about the East? Uh, what do you so think is going to turn out? So here's that? where one of my sleepers come in. So the Yankees, they're you know they're the class of the, the the league right now. They've got the best record in the American League. Tampa, I love I mm-hmm. what Tampa does. You know they've got a bunch of guys who just they all fit a role. Oh, yeah, and they they do it well. Um, but I, I think Baltimore, I think Baltimore is going to be one of those teams who's like. If you played a full 162, Baltimore probably finishes 10 games under 500. But there's just I, – I, there's something about that team this <laughs> yeah. year. I think that, you know, they're going to – they're going to finish right around 500, and they're going to stay just hot enough to make the playoffs. And, boy, wouldn't that be fun if Baltimore and New York played in the first round and Baltimore just got hot and won the first two games and knocked the Yankees out? Boy, I'd oh, love yeah. that. They get hot in the play. They, they yeah, can get hot. Plus, is uh, Adley right? No, I don't think so. I don't right think now? he is. But um, boy, it'd be cool if he was. I don't. I'm not even sure if he's on there. I yeah, would it, think he's in their you know, traveling uh, band of misfits, whatever you want to call it the the taxi squad or not the taxi squad, but but the the spring whatever the heck it's called. Thank you. All, the alternate site. Alternate. Um, I don't even know if he's there, but um, yeah, I'm looking right now to see if he's. I don't think he's even on there. I think he. I think he's in there at their alternate site. But yeah, That's, I've I've got a place in my heart for Baltimore. An old show guest, Melanie Newman, who was a Salem Red Sox broadcaster, is now broadcasting Orioles games. So I love nothing more than to have her first season be a playoff season. That'd be awesome. That would be really cool. Um. Let's uh, kind of turn toward uh, minor leagues, and because me and you have a mutual absolutely love for minor leagues. Um, uh, the Braves just called up Christian Pache, and he was supposed to pitch and le- or play in left yeah, field. Yeah, saw tonight, that. So they got rained out, <clears throat> and I was I was excited to see that. Um, where you're at, are there any minor leagues? Yeah, so we're we're not year? too far from Beloit. Beloit is probably the worst minor league stadium in all of professional baseball, but they're breaking ground on a brand new stadium that looks beautiful. Yeah. So that's cool. They're an A's Midwest league affiliate. So low a, Mm -hmm. um, and actually it's cool because I went to a game there last summer. Wouldn't have been this summer. And two of my guests, Aiden McIntyre and Austin Schulfer, were both uh, mm-hmm. – Aiden played for the Beloit Snappers and, and Austin played for the Cedar Rapids Colonels. And uh, they were both oh, wow. there, and they were both charting pitches behind home plate during the game. And funny story, so we go to the game, and, and I told my son, I said, hey, we're going to meet two ball players today, two guys I had on my podcast, and Aiden – uh, Aiden left my son and I some tickets, and so 
we got there and I called Aiden and I said, Hey, we're here. And so he came out and met us and we hung out with him for a little bit. Well, Aiden came out, was wearing shorts and a t-shirt and he's a big man. I mean, he's six, three stocky, strong, muscular guy. And, uh, I mean, he's a hard throwing mm-hmm. pitcher, led the Midwest league strikeouts last year. Uh, solid, solid arm for the A's coming up in their system. And my son, after talking to Aiden for about 15 minutes, looks at me and said, daddy, when are we going to meet the baseball player? And, and I was like, I looked up at Aiden and I was like, <laughs> he laughed. And I said, well, right here. He's like, Oh, and he looked at me like, oh, whatever. So we went and we watched the game <laughs> sat basically between Aiden and Austin while they charted pitches. And that was kind of cool. We talked to them, hung out with them for a little bit, let them do their thing as well. But, so then we leave and it, it like hit after we left, we're in the car and my son's like, wait, daddy, Aiden was the baseball player you were talking about. Right. And I was like, yeah, he goes, how come he wasn't out <laughs> on the field? And so I explained to him what he, and he's like, Oh, so now like my son nonstop talks, he talks about Aiden all the time because he met and talked to a baseball player, even though that's cool. Because when he met him, he wasn't wearing a baseball uniform. He just thought he was some random dude that I knew. Right. And it's funny, man. Like, I have sent – my son has – will, like, do something in a baseball game and be like, did you tell Aiden about that? And mm-hmm. so then I'll text Aiden about, like, hey, my <laughs> son went – you know, Landon went three for three in his game today and hit two doubles. Or uh, I had this, like, Oakland A's plastic full-size batting helmet. And the other day, he put it on. Mm-hmm. He, he, my son never wears a shirt in the house. Never. So he, t- he takes – so he's like, puts the A's <laughs> hat on. He grabs this bat that I have. It's like huge. It's heavy. It's huge. I wouldn't, it's heavier than – but it's a wooden bat that I've had forever, and um, it's always in the podcast room. So he's got no shirt, his pajama pants, the A's hat on, and he's holding the bat. He's like, take a picture of me and send it to Aiden. And I'm like, okay. So I take the picture. I send it to Aiden. <laughs> and Aiden's like, sent back like a fire emoji. And he's like, oh, he looks ready to go. And I told my son. And my son said, do you think he said that because he saw my abs? My son is six. He's six. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you are so crazy. So it, it's funny, man. It's cool. And it, it's one of those things that, because of the podcast and because of just the weird little connection made, um, it's cool for my son too to like get to get to meet a minor league baseball player like that, and then just totally look up to the guy and adore the guy, and then want to follow his career. It's super cool. It's it's fun. And Aiden McIntyre is like an A plus human being. He's a great guy. Yeah, that's awesome. You reminded me of two stories that I had from last year at Rome. Uh, so I guess the first one, um, we were we had been to the game and uh, we we had played Canapolis and I'm pretty sure we won. Um, and we're walking in, and this guy uh, holds the door for me. And well, I'm blind and I don't have my stick with me, so I just think it was one of the people that worked at Applebee's holding the door. For yeah, me. I, was, I said thank you, and I was like, we just come back from the game, we won. Turns out that guy was there to see Canapolis. And he had friends that were coaches for Canapolis. And 
we got to talking, and I felt horrible after I took that <laughs> I felt like a jerk, you know. So we come, we're about to leave. They come up, him and his wife come up to us after they've done eating, and they say, can y'all get to the game tomorrow? And I look at my wife, and I, in my head I'm saying, yes, yes, yes. And I'm not sure what she's going to say, yeah. but she's got to drive. And we're like, why? He's like, well, I'll leave you tickets if you can get there. And that made me feel like, that's special. cool. I mean, this guy, anybody, and he leaves me uh, tickets. Um, then the second story is uh, Ricky DeVito was a uh, uh, draft pick out of Seton Hall for the Braves last year. And he had just come up to uh, uh, to Rome. And I'd messaged him a couple times on Twitter. Because I think he said that the, uh, that. Danville cards that had come out, and I was like, I got to get my hands on that. And he's like, well, he sent me the link to get it. And then I, I messaged him. I was like, uh, you think it'd be possible to get your autograph for the game? Uh, he's like, sure. So I didn't see him, and he was, he's like, uh, if you want an autograph, come over here, and I'm behind home plate. And he was charting pitches. But the funny thing is, my wife just told me to go down the row, and I walk up to the wrong team pitcher. <laughs> Ricky was down the row below them. And I felt, I was like, that was awkward. <laughs> so I thought it did, was kind of cool. They were charting. Did, did he hear and, and say, Hey, I'm right here. I, yes. He, he kind of chuckled and he's like, I'm right here. That's funny. I was just like, wow. Kind of embarrassed, but Oh, that's, that's what happens sometimes when you're visually impaired and, but yeah. see, that's that's the beauty of minor league baseball, is, oh yeah, the, the, those guys they don't have to do that, and and quite frankly, it's like it's so little off their, you know, for the guy to leave tickets for you, it, it's relatively painless for him, right? Like, there's really little he has to mm-hmm. do other than tell someone, hey, leave two tickets for for John, and and for you know for for the player to say hey come meet me for an autograph it's it's really not a whole lot a lot of skin off their back but those are little things for them but it's a big moment for people like us who are fans who get to then share that moment with other you know it's like that's the thing that helps fuel your passion and mm-hmm. and that's why i think it's so important that baseball preserves baseball professional baseball and all these towns that they're currently in because it builds passion in people like you it builds passion for people like me and there's millions of other people just like you and i who can sit and nerd out for an hour and 20 minutes on a podcast just talking about baseball and get lost in it and not even care about anything else going on but if you take all that away like baseball seems like they want to do then you lose people like you and I become fewer and far between, you know, there's, there's less of us is what I'm trying to say. Right. Like I see the independent leagues expanding. Totally. They will. Yeah. In those towns, there's a, there's a rumor of that going on, but it's still not going to be as, I don't know what the correct word is, but it's, it's not going to be the yeah. same. You're right. Uh, I mean, for instance, Chattanooga, they're going to lose a team. They've been here for over mil- 
I think they're one of the oldest oldest professional baseball teams in in the country. And the 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 idea that Chattanooga the Chattanooga Lookouts would not exist as an affiliated baseball team blows my mind. The Williamsport Crosscutters exactly play in one of the oldest stadiums in America, and the fact and and Major League Baseball plays a game in their park every season. And, the, and they are <laughs> one of the teams that could potentially be gone. And I get really fired up about that because I worked there for a year. And I have very fond memories of Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And that town is rich, rich with baseball history. And to think that there wouldn't be a professional team or at least an affiliated team there as part of the New York Penn League, which is an iconic minor league, Organiz- or minor league system, organization, whatever you want to call it, league. Um, and that whole league would pretty much dissolve. Yeah. I, I think that's the same thing with the Abbey League down here. With yeah. Danville Elizabethton. And- yeah. All those. So f- there's Elizabethton, Tennessee, but there's Elizabethtown, t- Kentucky. Interesting. Yeah. Random fact. Um, but Chelsea, she's a huge proponent for independent baseball um and she's got me trying to follow uh a little bit of independent baseball um you guys have the milwaukee yeah. milkman have you ever I been there ha- i have yeah i went to a game last year um odd we talked about cold summer nights here in wisconsin we don't get a lot of them but we had we went to a game last season and it's a cool setup and they, uh, it was like 50 degrees and windy and we were, we left because it was cold in the middle of July, which normally you think wow. in the middle of July, you're going to be sweaty and sticky, but it was, uh, one right. of those really weird, weird nights. And the, it, you know, it's not too far from the lake and the wind was coming off the lake. Um, but it's a cool setup they've got there. There's nothing really spectacular about the stadium, but it's nice. Mm-hmm. They've got they've got good food. They've got a good beer selection, which is all stuff that's very important for your viewing experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and it's it's a good entertaining thing. Everything there is 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 all milk related. So um, you know, there's cows everywhere, and it, it's a cool cool family experience. They're open this year. You can go to a game. Um, I've had people try to get me to go to games this season. I'm just not ready to go out and be around a bunch of people in public. So, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, is it the Wisconsin Timber Timber Rattlers that had the Undertuggers? Yes, yes. That yeah that <laughs> that was that was awesome. Um, that was pretty. Yeah, awesome. they, yeah, they're a Milwaukee Brewers affiliate. They're in the Midwest League with Beloit. They're they're about an hour and twenty minutes north mm-hmm. of me in Appleton, Wisconsin. Um, I've not been to the stadium up there, but I've, I've, I've driven by it and I've heard that uh, for a minor league ballpark, it's as nice as it gets. So in Wisconsin, you have a beautiful new state of the art minor league park. And then you have a park that would qualify as a poor high school field in Beloit. But that's going to change very soon. And I'm excited for that. So what is the, uh, what's the most impressive minor league stadium you've been to? Um, I would say I really enjoyed Staten Island's park 
not because the park itself oh, nice. was anything spectacular, but what I thought mm-hmm. was really cool about it, and I've been to some cool ones. Indianapolis has a really nice park. Indianapolis's park could be like a small major league park, and and it's you got the mm-hmm. Indianapolis skyline behind it. Um, there's something charming about the independent South Shore Railcats Park in Gary, Indiana, because in the background are, are, are literally the steel mills. There's something gross but charming about it. I don't know why. Um, it's also sort of close <laughs> to where I grew up, so you know I'm used to that. It's it's it, that's actually a really nice park. But Staten Island's cool because over the right field fence, you have the Hudson River. You can see the Statue mm-hmm. of Liberty, and you have the New York, the Manhattan skyline right there. And that's cool. Yeah, it's it's just it's beautiful. So that to me. You know, that, that's one of the coolest I've been to. It's probably not the coolest. I mean, there's so many other parks that I've seen pictures of that I think, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. But, yeah, that's that's a cool park uh, just because of what you see when you look out the right field fence. What would be your top three dream state, minor league stadiums? To go top to? three dream minor league stadiums. I'd love to go to a game um, in Amarillo. Oh, yeah, nice. that's a cool food. place. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Uh, this isn't a minor league park. I'd love to see a game at BYU. the 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 backdrop I've heard is breathtaking. I've heard. Yeah, that. yeah. So that would be one. I, I'm cheating here in, in my answer, but that would be one. <laughs> and then, uh, what would be my third? Um, Gosh, I'd have to think. Um, what would be my third? I'm trying to think. There's so many things running through my Actually, you know what would be really cool? And this isn't because of the park, but but it's because I'd want to experience something they have at the park. I'd love to go to a Round Rock game. They have something called Home Run Dugout inside their park. Uh-huh. And think top golf, but for baseball. It's It's a concept where... There's a, a giant screen, and, and on the screen is projected any major league park you could imagine. And there's a ball that just pops mm-hmm. up out of the ground like a soft toss. And you just hit the ball, and it tracks the spin rate, the exit velocity, the launch angle, the whole thing. And then it, pro- it projects wow. on the screen when the ball hits the screen. It projects out into the field where it would go. And there's different settings, right? So, like, you could put a kid up there and put it on easy level, and a kid can take it out of the park. Mm-hmm. But it, it's really cool. It's it's like like I said, it's like top golf, but for baseball. And it's a concept that if they could figure out how to produce it at a, a little bit lesser expensive rate than they currently produce that one, it would really oh, yeah. it would take off and be just a really cool thing to have all around the country. That sounds incredible. Like that, I I don't know how that would work for me, but I, I would love to try it. Like that's that sounds really fun yeah yeah it, it looks great um it, it's a cool vibe it's basically a bar with but it, it's just seems like a really cool thing really cool concept i hope it takes off i hope it works out for those guys um i've actually reached out to them uh they have not uh responded uh which is fine mm-hmm. you know they, they're busy guys um but it'd be cool to to learn more about that um uh, that opportunity no i'm kind of to take a trip around the Southern League 
and the South Atlantic. Visit every stadium um, and see those. I mean, you especially at Chattanooga, and you've got to. Um, I, I'd want to go see uh, a game with the Trash Pandas. So. Oh yeah, for sure. The trash Pandas. Um, they've had their merchandise out for. <laughs> I know. They haven't played a game. I know. They're probably still making money though. They probably like to make money on a gate and some some concession stands, but uh, they'll they're they're hopefully they're doing okay. I heard some of the the top three um, choices for their their mascots, and they were strange. The trash painters wasn't the the strangest. Yeah, that's that's sort of the thing, right? I mean, you got the sod poodles and the trash pandas and the um, the s'mores. I mean, you've got some crazy names out there, but it's it's all about selling merchandise. Uh, the t- the timber rattlers oh yeah became the utter tuggers for a day, and they sold out <laughs> so all cr- their merchandise in a like it went live and boom it was gone, and so these guys are really good at marketing and it's it's pretty cool to see I love it people sometimes people don't really understand why they do that uh, it's because they want to be known mm-hmm. they want to sell merchandise to people all over the country all over the world in some cases and it works they make they make good money doing it. I- I was laughing at Augusta last year. They were the pin, the pimento cheese. Nice. And they had like, uh, like a ice cream cone, but I think it was pimento cheese cone. Uh, they had a couple of other gimmicks, and I thought that was funny. Um, so we have talked before about college stadiums and college atmosphere for baseball. Now I'm spoiled being a Georgia fan. And being in the SEC with Georgia and South Carolina, Clemson in the ACC, and then in the West you've got uh, Mississippi State, Old Miss, uh, Auburn, Arkansas, and LSU, and all those. Um, we've mentioned that we should go to Missouri. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, Trey. Uh, sorry, Trey. Uh, but. What's your uh, dream college stadium to go to? Yeah, I would. You know what I'd love to see? I'd love to go to a game at Texas A&M just to experience them get on a pitcher. Um, But Mm -hmm. really, you named it, man. The SEC, you know, go. And this isn't the SEC, but I'll knock it off the list. Let's go to a game at Texas. And then let's go to a bunch of SEC games, right? Yeah. Let's go to let's go to A and M. Let's go to LSU. Let's go to Ole Miss. Let's go to Mississippi State. Let's go to Georgia. Um, man, I'd love to go to all those places. In a perfect world, here, here's my dream, right? I would I would win the lottery. I wouldn't have to go to work. I'd record podcasts from my <laughs> RV probably t- two or three times a week. Uh, I dr- I drive around the country. Nice. I go to I go to all the national parks. When I'm not going to a national park, I'd be going to major league and minor league baseball games. Um, I'd love to go to to college baseball games in the South. And I'd love to spend my Saturdays in the South going to some SEC football games too. So there's a lot to, there's a lot out there, man. Oh, yeah. Now my wife, on the other hand, had, would have no interest in going to any of those things. Uh, the national parks, <laughs> she'd be all about. That's, that's her thing, um, which I love mm-hmm. too. But – yeah, man, I, I I would love to just go check out SEC games all over the all over the place and 
experience both baseball and football because the atmosphere down there TV is just electric. Mm. And I'd love to be, I'd love to experience that. It is. Um, I love the cowbells at Mississippi state and the Grove at Ole Miss. I love that. Like that. Yeah, idea. absolutely. There's so much tradition down there and it's unique. Everyone's got their own unique thing. That's really cool. Oh yeah. Uh, Every time somebody uh, rings a cowbell at a high school game, I was like, "Oh, you're t- you're taking tradition from Mississippi State." And no one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, col- you know, it's interesting. College football um, and college basketball are so popular, but college baseball is really only popular in the South. Um, Indiana, mm-hmm. who's got a good college baseball program where I went to school, you know, they've got good crowds at the Bart that get pretty excited. Um, but mm-hmm. for the most part, you know. You go to a, a Big Ten baseball game, and you know the, the atmosphere is nothing like it is down south. Big Ten football and Big Ten basketball—that's pretty wild, pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, baseball north of the Mason-Dixon line doesn't uh, doesn't have quite the same atmosphere and feel as it does down south. Got a few players, and they they made it to the College World Series last couple years. They did, yeah, and I've had a couple guys from that team on my show, which is awesome. Um, yeah, they they Indiana's got uh, a number of guys who <clears throat> have made it to the big leagues. They've got a ton of guys in pro ball. Uh, I think there's eight Indiana mm-hmm. players right now on big league rosters. Which, oh, wow. yeah, I mean Indiana. When I was there, Indiana was, you know, they were okay. You know, they were sort of middle of the pack, and and um, mm-hmm. middle of the pack, maybe a little bit lower, and. Um, you know, they built, they built that program up and now it's, it's really, it's, it's sustainable. Um, which is, is, is fun. They keep pumping guys out. They keep pumping out high draft picks and talented players and, um, they're competitive every year. They're, 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 they constantly, you know, they're regularly making the NCAA tournament, which is, which is awesome. It's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to follow. And Indiana baseball's for real and legit and, and competitive every year now. Didn't you have uh, like three or four in a row on your podcast? Uh, they weren't all in a row, but they were pretty close. Um, I had Aaron Slagers, who pitches yeah. for the uh, the Rays. Uh, he's in their big league organization, um, or he's on the big league team. Ryan Halstead, who's a, a Giants pitcher, I thought was going to be a part of the the sixty man, but he didn't he didn't make it. Um, but Caleb Berger, who mm-hmm. is from Indiana, uh, came in right after the Indiana team that went to the the NCAA tournament. Uh, he was right after that that run there, but uh, or, I'm sorry, the, the the College World Series. He's on the Giants team. He's he's a, a relief pitcher, probably a starter in the mm-hmm. future. And then Ryan Feynman, who was with the Rays, and then unfortunately, when they you know teams had their massive cuts with, with COVID, he was unfortunately one of the guys that was that was let go, um, and and he's since just oh, retired from baseball. I think Ryan Ryan's a driven guy. He's a smart kid. I think he'll land on his feet and do just fine. Plus, he's got he's got the connection. He played major Division One sports at a Big Ten school. That that alone right. will open doors for him. So I think Ryan will do just fine in in his his pursuit career outside of baseball. I was sad when a couple of the Braves that me and my wife were following last year were kind of cut loose because of that reason. Um, Brendan Venter, especially, he was he's from oh South really. Africa. But he, but he played at Auburn. Okay. Um, 
and I thought that was kind of cool. But uh, he was our third baseman. He was he got in. He was a pretty good starter. Um, but uh, looking at it, I don't think there's room in the system ongoing yeah. for him. And especially if they cut the team, because they're talking about cutting the fire frogs. Fire frogs. What a mouthful. Uh, so I just I feel bad for him, but I, it's, unfortunately, it's a it's a business. Unfortunately, yeah, and hopefully, independent teams sprout up, and those guys that they want to continue to pursue their dream and continue to develop and play professional ball. Hopefully, there's independent teams out there that will scoop those guys up to give them their shot. But who knows? I, I hope that more come out of this. Yeah. Um. So, I'm going to go into rapid fire questions, unless you have any more questions, because uh, we're getting <laughs> pretty lengthy. No, on this here. is this is a lot of fun. I'm I'm having a good time with this, John. I I appreciate oh, you having it, me on. Fun. Um, so if you could have any picture with someone or an autograph of someone, uh, from Major League Baseball, who would you have? You know, I'm not a big, I'm not a big autograph guy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will take a picture for sure. I, I would rather have a picture than an autograph. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, that's a good question. I mean, I think it'd be cool to have, to take a picture with a guy like, like Javi Baez. Um, just because I think he's, he's such a cool, he's so smooth and he's so cool. And I'd love to just spend, if it's 30 seconds, just talking to him. And I'd probably try to, I'd probably try mm-hmm. to somehow convince him to come on the podcast. Um, but no, I'd, I'd love, yeah. <laughs> Javi Baez would be the guy that I would say, just because I'm a Cubs fan. He's my son's favorite player. I'd probably get a little more street cred with my son and, and he's just a, he's a cool cat. I think I would go with anybody on the Braves just because I'm a homer. <laughs> well, I, uh, my choice, I yeah, I would the homer choice too. So you're all good there. I, I got a, a picture with me and my my wife's two little cousins. Got a picture with Shay Langoliers and Braden Shoemaker. Our first oh, that's awesome. Picks last year. I saw both of their first home runs too. So that was that's awesome. cool. That was awesome. Um. If there was no baseball, if baseball was my sport, what sport would you be watching? Um, probably football. Football is my second favorite sport. I don't think about football like nice. year round, like I think about baseball. But mm-hmm. like, I get excited. I mean, I'm a Bears fan, so I get I get pretty jacked up when when the Bears play. I probably won't think too much about the Bears until their first game. In fact, in a perfect world, I don't think about it until that Sunday because the Cubs are so competitive and, and in the hunt that I'm only thinking about them. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, Hey, the bears are on today. That so, but football would be the sport that I would, uh, that I would gravitate towards if, if baseball was, was gone. Your bears have some dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Rope. Uh, well, we had Leonard Floyd, but they cut him. I think they cut Leonard Floyd. Uh, yeah, he wasn't. On, guys. I liked Leonard. I wanted Leonard to work out, but he um, he didn't live up to you know when you when you draft a guy 
the expectation mm-hmm. is, and with his measurables and his skills, you think that he would be a guy that can get to the quarterback. And even with with uh, Khalil Mack, he couldn't really get to the quarterback. He had a he had a lot of really mm-hmm. good. He's a good football player. Don't get me wrong, but when you draft a guy that <laughs> early and the money that he would have been paid, you want him to get to the quarterback mm-hmm. a lot more. And and he can disrupt the quarterback in the passing right. game as a pass defender. He's really good at that. Uh, he's really good at, at at stopping the run, at containing the edge, but mm-hmm. he's not really good at shedding a block and getting to the quarterback. And so that's ultimately that's what did him in. But I think he's going to go somewhere else. And you know, and, and he probably mm-hmm. sure he signed somewhere. I'm trying to look it up really quick right now. What do you What do you think of Roquan Smith as a linebacker? I think guys? that. Yeah, yeah, I think Roquan is is has the potential to be an absolute elite wrecker. I really do. I I like Roquan mm-hmm. Smith. Uh, he's a he's an interesting cat. He had a, a kind of a weird, some weird stuff happened last season off the field that caused some on the field. He missed a game, and there were some real concerns over like mental health. Um. And oh, wow. so, yeah, there was some like legit, you know, I hope he's okay. I don't know what's going on. The Bears, you know, football is so secretive anyway. So people tend to fill in the yeah. blanks of what they don't know, right? And, but he's, yeah, he's a, he's a hell of a player. Great athlete. I think that when he gets it all together, which I think he's real, real close to doing that, I think Roquan Smith is a perennial pro bowler. So I'm excited about him. Leonard Floyd is on the Rams, by the way, now. John, did I lose you? Sorry about the technical issues. <laughs> no, that's all right. Gosh, I feel so. I feel terrible for you. Ah, well, I'll fix it in the future. Um, so, going into the rapid fire round robin questions, um, if there was no baseball, what sport would you be watching? 
Yeah, I would, I would say it, it would be football. Um, I, you know, football is, it's, it's baseball. I think of year round. It's mm-hmm. the thing that gets my juices flowing when we're in the off season. I'm, I'm still recording baseball podcasts. I'm still just as excited about baseball, thinking about the next season, talking to guys about how they're preparing for the, 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 the season coming up football. I don't really think about until really like right before week one. Um, mm-hmm. But I think football, you know, and actually football would probably, I pick up my interest in football a little bit more. I probably would also watch hockey. I think I'd watch more hockey, but um, yeah, football would be the sport that would get a little bit more attention. Now, hockey is a sport that I kind of am trying to get into. Uh, the team that I was going to start following just got knocked out of the playoffs, the Hurricanes. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I've kind of adopted the Lightning until they get put out, I guess. Because <laughs> I'm trying to know how to score. Um, Hockey's a fun sport. It's a very exciting sport. Yeah. Very, it's, a, it's a great live sport, too. I know you're a Bears fan. There's a couple of Georgia. Uh, we talked about uh, not making it. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Roquan Smith because he was a phenom at Georgia. Well, he, and he's, he's proving that to be the case in the NFL, too. I mean, you know, he's had, he's had his moments of brilliance. He had a little bit of a hiccup mm-hmm. last season off the field and you know, there was there were some concerns over, you know, his mental well being, and so I mm-hmm. think people were were a little bit nervous about that and and, and how that would, um, you know, what sort of an impact that would have. I mean, really on his life, not just his football career. I mean, right. it became secondary at that point. But on the football field, when he's on, boy, he's a he is a heck of a player, and I think it's it's all starting to click for him. I think this will be year three for him. I expect him to to really hit his stride and, and be a, a perennial Pro Bowl player. And, um, yeah, he's a, he's a guy that, that can make things happen. It'll be interesting, though, with without Eddie Goldman, the, the Bears' nose tackle, who, who takes on mm-hmm. blockers and allows Roquan, Roquan to sort of run freely. It'll be interesting to see how he plays without uh, Eddie. But I, I still think Roquan's such a good athlete uh, that, that he'll be able to overcome overcome that and still have a great season. Now, do you guys have Javon Wims still at wide receiver? Yeah, the Javon Wims is one of those guys that's it, he may or may not make the team this year. Uh, he's been on the team for a couple mm-hmm. years. Um, I was excited at, at the prospect of having Javon Wims, but he really hasn't done a whole lot with the team. And I don't know if that's because they don't have a great quarterback or if it's because he's not really hasn't really developed. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that needs to have a really good training camp. Otherwise he might be on the outside looking in. Now, were you a fan of the bears when they had Kevin Butler? I've been a fan of the bears. I, yeah. I've never changed my allegiances on team. I've, I've been a Chicago sports fan from, from day one that, yeah, the, the 85 bears, Kevin Butler, butthead. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's still a legend in Chicago, Kevin Butler and, Kevin Butler doesn't have to pay for a drink or a steak anywhere in, in, in and around Chicago. I don't think he has to pay for one in Athens either. Yeah, I, yeah, he's got a couple places he can go and get free meals. Um, moving on to question two, uh, 
if you could have a picture or an autograph with any major league baseball player, who would it, who would that be? Well, I'd have to go with a Homer pick here. Uh, I'll go with, with Javi Baez. Javi is uh, my son's favorite player. So if I got a picture with my son's favorite player, I'd get, I'd get a lot of uh, street cred here in the house, but he's such a cool guy. Um, I just, I dig Javi. He's a family guy. The things that he, you know, that he, at least the things that he puts out into the world, I, I, I respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'd be a fun guy to interact with for, you know, if you got 30 seconds to a minute with him, I think you feel like you'd have some, uh, it, it'd be, it'd be cool. So plus I'd probably ask him to be on the podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. That'd be a cool podcast. Yeah. Um, I'd have to go with any of the Braves. Um, probably Dan's beer, Nick Marcakis. Great choices. I'm a you're either a Nick Marcakis fan or not down here. And yeah, it's I, I, I love Nick Marcakis. The way he's a veteran leadership um, in the clubhouse. I actually got a pick. All right. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, I lost you there for a second. Yeah, the Wi-Fi went out. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Nick Marcakis, Dansby Swanson. I actually go to church with the parents of a guy that played travel ball with uh, Dansby Oh, nice. Huge Dansby fans. Um, I just – I'm a fan – I actually got a picture while we were down here at Rome um, last year uh, with with Braden Shoemaker and Shaylen Galeers, our one and two draft picks from last year, and they are really awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I got Langelier signed the picture, but Braden Shoemaker had already gone up to uh, Mississippi before I could get him to sign it. You have to catch up to him next um, year. Figure out where he's at and go go get his autograph. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Uh, that they uh, both hit their first home runs when we were watching, so I thought that was really cool. Um, best place to eat in Milwaukee. Best place to eat, Bel Air Cantina. It's a Southern California taco joint, in- inspired by Ooh. what I can only imagine is is some taco places that these people went to in San Diego. Oh, I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. And when I when I went to San Diego a year and a half ago, I was like, and I went and got tacos, mm-hmm. street tacos. I was like, okay, yeah, this this my favorite place, Bel Air Cantina. It is it is based off of this. This is it right here. So it's it's great. I love it. Awesome. When I uh, I've got friends in Chicago from Ten Junk Miles uh, running. So when I come and do their race, 
up on the Badger State Trail. I'm going to have to go to Milwaukee and uh, get some of those. Well, let me know when you're here. We'll grab some tacos for sure. It's great. That sounds like a definite plan. Uh, You ask everybody what their Chipotle order is. A bowl. No doubt. I get a bowl with brown rice, black beans, chicken. I get the veggies, the peppers. I get mild, mild salsa. I add lettuce. I add mm-hmm. guacamole, and this is the this is the key right here. And you've probably heard me say mm-hmm. this before: is you've got to get the dressing. Hey, yep. Get the dressing. Put it on the side. It'll change your life. It's honey vinaigrette. It's not on the menu. You don't see it on the little buffet as you walk through. You've got to ask for it. It's in the fridge behind the cash register. They'll give you a little plastic ramekin. Telling you it'll change your life. Get the honey vinaigrette dressing. Thank you, Josiah Gray, for for introducing me to that. (laughs) Um, right where I live, we don't have a we have a Moe's instead of a Chipotle. But in the count, couple towns over, we have a uh, Chipotle. So I'm gonna hit it up, man. Do it up. Um, This this is a question I ask everybody: Uh, favorite beer or wine? If you don't drink beer, I do drink beer. beer. I also like wine. I'll give you both. I like cabs um, and I'm, I'm partial to cabs okay. out of Napa just because I've been to Napa a couple of times and there's just that place is like the ro- most romantic place I've ever been to in this country. Um, mm-hmm. Beer. My favorite beer would probably be, um, boy, that's hard. That's like asking what my, who, which one, which one of my kids is my favorite. Um, I, I would say <laughs> there is, uh, there's a couple, um, there's a, a brewery. I'll give some love to a Milwaukee brewery. There's a place called raised grain brewery and their beers are in Miller park. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a two doctors that started a brewery as a, you know, they were brewed beer as a hobby and they started to open up a small brewery. Well, now it's become pretty big here in Milwaukee and they've got, uh, they've got an IPA and it's called naked mm-hmm. threesome. And, it's it's got oh, you know kind of a fruity after aftertaste to it. Um, it's it's super good. When I, say, I shouldn't say fruity, it's it's a, a little bit not like it's not like a a Lining Kugel Summer Shandy or anything like that. Um, it's it's oh it's so right. good. It's easy to drink. But the problem is you know it comes in sixteen ounce cans, and it's about eight mm-hmm. percent alcohol. So you put one or, one or two of those down and, and you're feeling pretty good. You do three or four of those and, you know, especially if you're not a big drinker. I'm not – I'm a, a one or two beer uh, at a sitting kind of guy. So if I have three of those, I'm I'm probably going to feel it the next day. Oh, I bet. Um, I think there's – on the Badger State Trail where there's a race that I want to run one day, there's – I think New Glarus is right along Spotted there. Spotted Cow. Right there's like three spotted cows. Yeah, that yeah, that is cow. probably the most famous craft beer in Wisconsin, um, or at least it's famous for people outside of Wisconsin. There's so many great breweries in and around the Milwaukee area. There's great breweries all over Wisconsin, as are as there are all over the place now. But Milwaukee is a beer town, and it used to be Miller and these big, massive macro brews, and now it's micro brews and craft breweries and. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's great. I mean, uh, but yeah, spotted cow is like, I don't love it. There's so many other good breweries around, but spotted cow is kind of like, 
I don't really like Miller Lite, but if I want to drink a an easy drinking, you know, beer, Spotted Cow is a, a good one to have. There's there's Spotted Cow in my fridge right now. Nice, but there's not um, Miller I'm Lite. Actually... Oh no, I can't. I, that's yeah. <laughs> Um, I've actually been to Madison, Wisconsin once, and it was for a rock climbing competition. When nice. I was climbing. Um, and we went to, I think it was great. Oh, Canyon. yeah. Yeah. Um, for the last, I can't remember what I had, but I actually have their growler still from that. And I, that's that was pretty cool. Um, when it, For me, it's a seasonal thing. If it's cold, I want like a stout, like a chocolate or coffee okay. stout. If it's spring or summer, I want like an IPA or a sour. Right lately, I've really the sours. Um, there's a good watermelon sour from Terrapin. There's cucumber and lime sour from uh, Creature Comforts that I just had a couple about a month ago. That's interesting. Yeah, it was, it was weird, but it was really good. Um, but the watermelon sour from uh, Terrapin, it it's amazing. I haven't sour. gotten I haven't gotten into sours, and it's not because I don't like them. It's I really just don't know that I've given them a fair shake. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I I'll the lagers, the IPAs. Um, you know, it's generally where I'll stand. The American pale ales. That's kind of where I stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I'll certainly um, I'll, I'll have to give I'll have to give sours more of a, a fair shake. See, I'm not a sour person unless it's, unless it's beer. I don't. I'm not a fan of like Sour Patch Kids or really sour candy. Yeah, for some reason sour watermelon. It's. It's. I like it. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to look it out. Look it up and, and check it out. Jeff Francoeur actually has a blueberry beer down here from Terrapin. Interesting. Former outfielder and now broadcaster for Atlanta. So. Absolutely. I found that funny. He actually, I think he grows, he grows his own uh, blueberries. Really? He's a blueberry farmer. So I, that's, yeah. Um, that's. So that's all the questions. I, uh, do you have any questions? Yeah, we did. We, we did. Uh, I hope that you're able to, to somehow salvage the recording that we did. I think we had a great conversation. Um, if not, Hey, we'll do it again. No big deal. But no, this was a lot of fun, man. I, I really, uh, I appreciate you having me on and and exposing me to your listeners. That was cool. Um, I hope the people enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed just our hanging out for the last two hours. This was a lot of fun. It was a blast to just talk. Heck yeah, man! No doubt, just getting lost in baseball, man. That's that's why we do this stuff. It's it's great. Well, I uh, it was a blast. Where can people find you on social media if they want to look you up, look your podcast? Up? Yeah, so you can find me in a couple places. So I'm big on Twitter at Turn a Pair Chris. I'm on Instagram at Turn a Pair Baseball Podcast. Send me a DM. Let's chat. Let's hang out. Follow. Give me a follow there. You can find the podcast just about anywhere you listen to podcasts: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podomatic, and then of course, like I said, anywhere else you listen to podcasts, we're we're probably there too. So give us a give us a listen. Subscribe to the podcast. We'd love it if you did that. Um, it's fun, man. We interview baseball players and we interview baseball coaches. We interview broadcasters in professional baseball. So we've done 104 episodes and we're, I think it's, it's getting better. Uh, the guests are, 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 are great. 
We've got some really good guests coming up. I've got some former major league players that are coming up. Some some guys that that absolutely people will know. Guys who have won World Series. Guys who have won uh, some some pretty pretty big awards in in baseball. So I'm really excited about what we've got going on over at the Turn and Pair Baseball Podcast. John, I thank you so much for for allowing me to come onto your show and 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 hang out and get to know you a little bit more. This was a lot of fun. I certainly appreciate it and. I look forward to doing it again sometime. It was a blast. Uh, I hope you had fun. I, I had a great time. Um, well, it was a blast. Uh, I guess I will talk to you. Sounds great. Soon. And everybody, everybody have a good night. Thank you guys for listening to this interview with Chris McLean on the Untamed Adventures of the Blind Donkey Runner podcast. There were some technical difficulties toward the end of the podcast, and I will try to work those out in the future. My uh, apologies for those, but this was an incredible interview. I had a blast doing this, and I hope you guys had fun listening to this interview as well. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, you can shoot me a message on Instagram or Twitter at the Blind Donkey Runner. Um. I would love to talk to you, see what's going on, um, talk baseball, sports in general, running. So this is the Blind Donkey Runner, out.